Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the impact that your word has on our lives, that it certainly is living and it certainly is active. And we appreciate the fact that your Holy Spirit will illuminate your word to us and that it will cause us to see what we didn't see and understand what we didn't understand. It will also cause us to change from the inside out. I pray today that you would open our eyes so that we would see that which you have ordered for us to see today. And I pray that you'd fill my mouth with the words that would be anointed and that you would speak, Lord Jesus, if you were standing here in person. I pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said, we started last week a series called The Church, which is His Body. <clears throat> Just spending some time, and I, I said last week, I don't know how long this is going to last. I know we'll have a couple of, of interruptions along the way, and we'll resume it back. But, uh, I, uh, but we're just going to talk about the church for as many weeks as the Holy Spirit will direct me. Um, and last week, we talked about this exceedingly great army. And uh, uh, when we closed yet last week, I, I made this statement. Jesus arrived proclaiming the kingdom of God is now near. And then he began assembling his church to spread the good news of the kingdom. Thus, his church serves by extending the kingdom of God into the hearts of mankind and the earth. It's our mission. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That's why, as Bob Mumford said, if if the only thing God wanted us to do was to go to heaven, he'd just need a preacher and a gun. <laughs> Get us saved and send us on. But the Lord did not do it that way, but he began... The Lord Jesus said the kingdom is near, and then he began to assemble his church. And he said, and we read this or referenced it last week, that he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so that's who we are. Understanding what church is, I can't go back and redo last week's message, but I can tell you that it's on the podcast and I can tell you, you can get a CD if you don't know what a podcast is. Um, but today, what we want to do is we want to talk about the fact that the church has a definite form and it, with a definite structure of life. A definite form with a definite structure of life. How many of us know God does nothing haphazard? I'm reading a book by Eric Metaxas. <clears throat> it's certainly not the first one I've ever read by Eric Metaxas. This one is titled Miracles, and it's a book about miracles. He begins the book by talking about the miracle of the fact that we're even here. Modern science will tell you, and more and more, more scientists are agreeing with this, that we should not be here, and that the, the hanging of the planets and the structuring of the universe is done in such a way that any minute change in either direction, we would not exist. And yet, it is perfect. It is fine-tuned. 
And he points out that many, many, even quote unquote atheists and secular scientists are saying there has to be something of intelligent design in the fact that the universe is built the way it is. And of course, he is declaring our existence and the universe a miracle. Definite structure. In using the metaphor of the human body, the Apostle Paul gives us a picture of how the body of Jesus Christ functions together. Everybody say together. There's a key there. Together. Now, sometimes metaphors and analogies, sometimes we can carry them so far that we lose the lesson. Paul did not do that in his writing. And at the end of the day, and certainly at the end of this message, we want to make sure that we are properly joined where and how God intends. Properly joined. Uh, if you haven't turned already, which I, you probably didn't because I didn't tell you. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Uh, we're going to read through verse 16 after a while. After a while, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, verse 11, if you would stand while we read the Word of God. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. We will, by the way, come back to these gifts later on. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. How many of you know church people sometimes act like children? Don't get me started on church people. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You can be seated. Of course, that is our title for today, when each part is working properly. We'll reference this later on, but when Paul's writing to Colossians, he almost writes the same thing. He writes that people who were apart from Christ were not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So the first thing we see in this passage is the supply of the joints. Now, let me go ahead and get this out of the way. He was not talking about a doobie. I know some of you are thinking. George talked about doobies Friday night. And by the way, that's why the Doobie Brothers were called Doobie Brothers. Because they like to smoke doobies. Joints. Little funny cigarettes. Anyway, 
Just get that. Everybody say, he's not talking about doobies. Come on. So when you hear the word joint, we're not talking about marijuana. Isn't that sad? (laughs) Remember, last week we read Ezekiel 37 about the valley of the dry bones. And we read how that that uh, Ezekiel prophesied, and, the, and they they came together. There was a rattling or an earthquake, and the, the bones were separated, obviously. They came together, joint to joint, ligament to ligament, and they became bodies, and then the breath of God entered into them, and they became, they had life. And this is the imagery that Paul is thinking when he writes this. That each joint, when those bones came together, they came together where they were supposed to. And as we'll read in a little while, the, the arm bone did not try to connect itself to the ankle bone. Wouldn't work. Vice versa and so forth. A joint, not a doobie, is where members or parts connect and share a common bond in common life. It's where members or parts connect and share a common bond and a common life. It's important to know where we are joined, where the joint is that we're a part of. Joints hold the members together and in place, and of course the ligaments play a huge part in that. I will say that the ligaments in the human body represent agape. Because you can have a joint, but if you don't have agape, you're going to get out of joint. Getting out of joint is painful. Joints are also where life is transmitted from one member to another. Or a relationship. You could say the joint is a relationship. And that's where life is transmitted. When we say koinonia which is the Greek word for fellowship or communion, we're saying that we share life. We share one with another the life of God. When the joints are put together properly and where they're supposed to be, this causes the body to increase in stature, effect, and size. This is, and we're speaking of the body of Christ. It causes the body of Christ to increase in stature, effect, and size. The word grow in this passage in the Greek means to be, just to increase. Not necessarily just to grow larger, but to grow in, in effect. We're growing in stature. And so, Paul uses this metaphor as we we see that the body of Christ is supplied the life of God through the joints, through the relationships, through the connections. And it's important that we be where we're supposed to be. And I referenced uh, Colossians uh, 2.19, which he goes on a little further. He says, holding to the head. Holding fast to the head, which means holding to the head with strength and vigor. And the head, of course, is capital H. That's Jesus Christ. So the the idea of the body of Christ being connected by the joints 
and being held together by the joints and there being supply at the joints is no good unless we have the head involved. Nothing else matters if we aren't intentionally holding on to him. You've heard me say this, that if, if we've just got a bunch of relationships going, if we just got a bunch of people getting together and trying to have relationships with one another, and there's no involvement with Jesus Christ, we, we don't have anything but a club. Clubs are good. I told you last week, I'm a member of the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club. By the way, we have about 30,000 members. The latest chapter that was added was in Germany. Those people getting it over there. <laughs> but in, in, in what God's trying to accomplish in the earth, we don't want to be part of a church club. We want to be part of life. So we have to hold fast, hold with strength, and hold with vigor to Jesus Christ. None of the rest of this matters if we don't do that. Paul adds wording that says we are nourished, and we're knit together through the joints and the ligaments. And again, I'll say it again, that the joints are our connection and the ligaments are agape, which hold us together. So that brings us to, he says, if the joints are there and each part is working properly, each part. Now, this is mostly walked out in the local church. Uh, there are occasions when people are connected to someone outside of their local church. This is not limited, but most of what we're walking out in these verses is in the local church. Um, he says, he uses the terminology proper working. Proper working. Now, in the Greek... That's, that means according to the energy in the measure of each one part. According to, why is that? Because the word working in this passage is the word from which we get our word energy or energetic. So it's not just working in the sense that the sweat of our brow and we're working as hard as we can work, but it's in the sense that we have an inherent and an innate Energy, somebody said, I just don't have any energy anymore. Well, I understand that. That's not what we're talking about. But there's an energy. Now, Albert Barnes, a commentator from a long time ago, one I trust a lot, said this is in proportion to the measure of each part. That is in proportion to its power. Remembering that the power comes from God. And then the pulpit commentary, another Commentary that I trust says, according to the energy in the measure or proportion of each individual part. In other words, each one of us have energy that comes through and by the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me. The Word of God is living and active. Hebrews 4.12. The wording there is the same wording here. It's energetic. It has energy. When God gets involved in your life and in my life, there's energy. And from that energy, we're able to participate with one another in life. We have energy that's furnished by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. As we talk to and relate to one another. In this passage, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I'm not even going to read the verses. But in this passage, Paul talks about, starting in verse 25, and he talks about how we can take responsibility uh, for contributing life to one another. Because if we're going to have joints, if we're going to be joined and held together by agape, then we must be able to contribute life to one another without being children and without being tossed to and fro. Now, you can read it later, but these verses tell us that we are you know, we are taking responsibility. And then it says that we would have open and honest truth in the love of God. Speaking the truth in love. Open and honest. How many you know we can't? Relate to one another unless we relate to one another in open and honest truth. Now, when the Bible says speaking the truth in love, that doesn't mean that I'm about to smack you upside the head. (laughs) I'm, I'm about, you know, in the name of speaking the truth in love, I'm going to, I'm going to stick it to you, fella. No. Speaking the truth in love, in agape, means you got to speak the truth, but do it with a little salt. Do it with a little something. Because we are members of one another. We are members, everybody say members, of one another. He goes on to say that we should confront anger-inducing situations. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Whatever it may be, get it taken care of before the sun goes down. He talks about productivity that contributes. That's, that's Anita's favorite verse. Let him who steals, steal no longer. Just move the comma. Don't steal, but be productive so that you can have something to share with other people. Community. Community. Uh, he talks about avoiding denigrating and rotten words. Sometimes I listen to people talk and I think, I sure wish they had a better vocabulary. I sure wish they would increase their vocabulary to be able to eliminate some of the other words that they're using that are not productive. Sitting in a I don't remember if we were in a football game or in a movie theater, but the guy behind us, man, he just had this blue streak coming out of his mouth. You know, as a guy, that doesn't bother me as much, but we were sitting with ladies, and so I turned around and sort of explained to him that I didn't want to hear any more of that. And I didn't. I was afraid I was going to have to fight, but nope, we didn't have to. Thank you, God. But I was willing to. Let's say, let's go to something else. Good speech. What is good speech? It's good speech that builds one another up. Good speech. He said, put away attitudes that will cause that relationship to deteriorate. Put away attitudes that will cause problems in a relationship. Again, this is all about being joined to people. And it's all about relating to people. And it's all about contributing life and not allowing something to get into the stream that will pollute the quality of the water. 
He said, put away bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, malice. All of these things. Then he finishes up echoing my mother. He said, be kind. Anytime I would say something that would be just a little bit edgy, my mama said, now be nice. I would be until I got away from her. And they say, be kind. And the most important is forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Now, we could move on from that, but we won't. We'll spend another 10 seconds here and say that's probably one of the most important aspects of the joints of the connections, staying true, staying pure, staying viable, and staying a source of life is that if we would forgive because the people will have bitterness, wrath, malice, and slander, and we've got to be able to forgive. Because if we can't, and the key to that is forgiving as God in Christ has forgiven us. It's so easy to say, well, I can't, I don't, I can't forgive that. I can't let that go. Well, Jesus let it go when he forgave you. God let it go when he, when he, when he accepted Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf. God let it go when he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And when, when the devil appears before the throne and says, hey, so and so and Jesus said, you can forget that. I already paid for that one. That one's already been settled. Let's find another one now. Yeah, that one's been settled too. You, you, you can't, you can't bring anything before God's throne that Jesus hasn't paid for. Forgiving us. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll talk just for a few minutes, and I can't spend a lot of time here, but I'll talk just a few minutes about God's sovereign design. Some of you, probably most of you, are familiar with this passage, but it's so key. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, talking about the physical body, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, memorize this one, saints, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, think about it, we bestow the greater honor in our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. 
which are more presentable parts, where our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. One body, many members, drinking from the same Holy Spirit. Once again, none of this works unless we're connected to the head. And if we're connected to the head, Jesus Christ, we're drinking from the same Holy Spirit. And we, we learn to live in harmony and unity. Ern Baxter said, unity is not uniformity. And diversity is not division. We live and walk with one another in harmony. You just listen to the worship team play and sing. And you heard harmony. They were not all singing the same notes. Now that works as long as, as the notes complement one another. But when they don't, it's painful. And you've heard it, and I've heard it, and I never want to hear it again. Because that's not harmony. That's pain. But when the notes go together, oh my goodness. Especially as the whites, when it's their sibling harmony. Oh man, there's nothing better than sibling and family harmony. It just, it just makes your whole body feel good. That's what the, that's what the body of Christ. We're supposed to be in harmony and unity because we're members of the same body. One of the keys of this passage is to bloom where you're planted. I'm a product of the seventies, which is why I knew what a doobie was. (laughs) By the way, just in case you're interested, it doesn't really matter. I never, I never imbibed. A friend of mine came up to me one time with some cigarettes and I guess I was 15 or so. He said, Hey man, look what I got. I, I guess I, I don't know. I was, I was a little older than my time. My wife says I still am. <sighs> and my first thought was I, I, I can't play basketball if I smoke anything. And I'd rather play basketball than smoke. So I said, oh, never mind. I don't think so. Now, I've done things that I'm ashamed of. And you're not going to hear about them. <laughs> so just don't get your hopes up. <laughs> Ask my wife. But he says, man, if the foot says, well, because I'm not an arm, then I don't have any usefulness. No, you bloom where you're planted. And when I was talking about the 70s, we used to have buttons back then that said bloom where you're planted. So, my, you know, because I'm a foot, I wanted to be an arm. I could be more effective as an arm. Bloom where you're planted. Wherever God has you, whatever gifts God has given you. The Bible says a man or a woman's gift will make a place for them. We're always trying to clamor and get somebody to recognize our gifts and give us a shot 
Let your gift make a place for you. God is a divine arranger. I know that people get frustrated with me. Um, don't get your hopes up because I'm not going to change. <laughs> when I don't spend, I don't buy the philosophy that my job as a pastor is to grow this church numerically. I don't buy it. Maybe why we're small, but, uh, of course we're, anyway, do y'all know the average church in America is 80 members or less? Do you know that, that, uh, one third of the church members, Christians in America, one third are part of mega churches, but you know, the other two thirds are part of churches that are a hundred or less. I want our church to grow numerically. There's three rows right here. I'd love to see some warm bodies in. They'd have to move their coats, but that's okay. They would. But I'm not, I'm not willing to gain that by Wall Street marketing. I'm not willing to gain that by compromising the gospel. I'm not willing to gain that by tickling ears and changing who we are. Not willing. Because God has set the members in the body the way we vote. You know that's not true. (laughs) God has never asked me yet my opinion about whether someone ought to be a part of Abundant Life Church. He just sets people. God arranges the members as it pleases Him. I've helped people go to other churches. I know y'all don't like that, but it's okay. I've said to people, I think you should go to that church. And I'll call the pastor and tell them you're on the way. Not because I wanted to get rid of them. They just didn't belong here. Uh, you know, and some of you might, might get a good phone call, but that's all right. <laughs> Brother Charles Simpson says, sometimes the best addition is by subtraction. No division. Our goal is no division, but that we would give the same care to one another. The body. Working properly together. Each person with their own measure of energy from the throne of God. Being joined and held together. And that we would be properly joined. It's the key is that we're properly joined. Last week... I read a verse in in Ezekiel that said, The bones came together, bone to its bones. And the key is that you and I, as bones, we just read that the bones would sing. We read that the God, as God makes that noise to bring his body together, and that rattling or earthquake, and the bones come together, the key was that each bone found its place. It didn't have options. (laughs) it didn't God didn't ask the bones their opinion he didn't tell them just find a socket that you're comfortable with just find a place where you feel good no he said bone to its bone in other words there was a place 
There's a place where you belong. There's a place where I belong. And when we, when we are at that place, we're healthy and happy. The problem is we sometimes, as I referred to earlier, sometimes we get out of joint. The key is that the right people must get together in the right way to function in God's purpose under the headship of Jesus. The right people in the right place. Finding our place is easier realized when we don't think in terms of gifts and ministries, but in terms of people. Don't, we can't, we can't say, well, I got this gift. Okay. I'm going to come and I, you're going to be glad I brought you this gift. No, you don't start with gifts. You start with people. And when we're talking about joints and joints supplying and ligaments and we're talking about structure and members of the body working properly, we are talking about people. It's all about people. Now, once we get in a place, God's going to use our gifts. Remember, our gifts make a place. But if we come just thinking about gifts and ministries, we're going to have a problem. <clears throat> Y'all have heard me tell the story of many years ago. A little fella came one Sunday morning and he was, he was sitting over here with this little black box. He goes up to Don. He said, where do you want me to stand? I think he had a clarinet. Don, I don't know if you remember this or not, but. He said, where do you want me to stand? We've never seen this guy before in our lives. And thankfully, since. Don said, I think the best place for you is right there. Which is why we never saw him again. Because what was he doing? He was trying to interject his gift into a situation instead of himself. Hey, you do this long enough, you meet some folks. <laughs> the church can only be built up as the agape of God is applied by and to each member. Without love, each joint becomes infected with selfish ambition, self-promotion, and self-centeredness. And this is why you see relationships go sour. This is why you see churches split. And this is why you see groups of people have issues with other people. And that's because they're in the joint. It's not about agape. It's about what I want. It's about self-promotion. It's about me being uh, prominent. Agape. You know what? And I said this before, and you know, I hope you can understand this. You don't have to like everybody that you love. I mean, there may be people in this room that I don't like. And everybody, all the insecure people thought, it must be me. <laughs> and then somebody said, well, I didn't know I was insecure until just now. Well... Because agape is not a feeling, it's a choice. 
Agape is not something we have an emotion for. It's a decision we make. When you stand before or stood before a minister or someone and you exchange vows with your with your uh, husband and or wife. Of course, you felt something. But let me tell you something. If all you had was what you felt. You got a problem coming. You, you know, I get it's not so much anymore, but I used to get young people in my office wanting to get married. And I say, why do you want to get married? Well, because we love one another. I said, well, I'm not going to marry you then. I need something more. I need you to tell me that God has put you together and God has joined you together. And you are making a commitment to honor what God has done. Thank God for the feeling. Thank God for the romance. But if that's all you got, you've got the D-I-V-O-R-C-E in your future. But Agape says, I will, I will be, I will love you. God says he loves us unconditionally. He didn't say, I'll love you till, or I'll love you when, or I will love you as long as. But we love one another because of God. So that's why you don't have to like everybody. Don't expect to like everybody. Now, you don't need to be hating on anybody. But you don't have to like everybody. There's people that I have agape for. It may or may not be in this room, but there's people I don't like. I don't hate them. But anyway. Final statement from the pulpit commentary says... The church has been defined as an institution that has truth for its nourishment, love for its atmosphere, and Christ for its head. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about God's people being together. We're talking about truth being the thing we live off of. We're talking about agape being the very thing that holds us together. See, if you have made a commitment to someone and you're a part of that You've been joined to someone. By the way, you you can be a member of a church, but you need to be a member with somebody, with a person. Love that holds us together, and it keeps us from running. Every Monday, I'd like to run. Not really. But that's the day all pastors resign. Pastors resign on Mondays. And then by Tuesday, they've went back. And the thing about it is that most people don't know they resign. Come Tuesday, they've rescinded their resignation. <laughs> I sent an email to the elders one time. I don't remember what it was. Uh, but I put I put on there, um, this is my resignation. And of course, I meant, I meant that to get their attention. But it wasn't that I was. It was meant that I was resigned to do something. I forget what we were doing. I'm resigned to do it. And of course, Don immediately emailed me, "What? <laughs> don't do that again. You don't quit." And of course, the most important part of our being a local expression of the church in Middle Tennessee, the most important part is that Christ is our head. As long as we maintain Christ as our head 
and draw from him and his Holy Spirit, we'll be okay. I'm not saying we'll never have a problem. We've had problems. We've dealt with them. We haven't had the problems that a lot of groups have. Um, Well, I won't get into that. Thank God that that uh, 35 years ago, I guess, if we did, did, is it what we just did 35 years ago? We, brother, brother Fisher, established this congregation. 31 years ago, that we moved into this building, and that God today, 35 years later, still has a body. Now, some of you have been here that long, and a lot of you haven't. I haven't. But there's a body. And God has joined us. He's joined you. He's joined me and and our families here. But not just here, but to one another. You know, these blue chairs are nice, but that's we don't get joined to the chairs. Some of you think we do. You know, so you're sitting in my chair. (laughs) But we're joined to one another. The church, which is his body functions and grows when each part is working properly. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we pray that we as a body, that we would represent you accurately in the earth. We pray that we would function together, members one of another, the way you established us and the way you set it up. We also pray that we as a body would function with the other bodies in our area, in our community, that we would continue to function as one church. And when we gather together as groups of churches and groups of pastors, we pray that Abundant Life Church would simply be one cog of that body and that we would, we would lend our, our part to that. And I pray, I do pray, Lord Jesus, that you would cause those who have been appointed by you to be a part of this family, that you would send them our way. And you would cause us to be open and receptive to these people that you have ordained to be a part of this family. Lord Jesus, and I pray that you would give us opportunity. I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven pour out your Holy Spirit, and that you would give us opportunity to bring those out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. And that at least some of them, that you would have intended for them to be a part of this group. I pray for that to happen in our whole community, Lord. And that all the churches that are represented in this community that are naming the name of Christ, all of these groups would see the outpouring of your spirit and the, and the lost become saved. Let us be a shining light for you. Thank you for this gathering today. I thank you for this people today. And I pray your blessing upon each one, upon each household, upon each person today. Thank you for your order. Thank you for your purpose. And I pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Don't forget to come back tonight at 5 o'clock, and Aubrey has something to say.